This is a trigger warning from the legal department. Just reminding you that this shit is pretty heavy. And that's okay. Take a deep breath. Don't forget to hydrate. Wash your fucking hands. Hello, humans. Welcome back to the Revenue Reel Hotline. Oh my gosh, we have the great Marcus Chan. We've lured him in for another uh, silly conversation. And I gotta say, man, the banter was pretty strong. This is a dude that knows what the hell is up, and he has been consistently producing materials to empower others that are coming up behind him. And I, you know, frankly, I would be very surprised if you don't know who Marcus Chan is, but on the rare, on the rare uh, chance that that's a thing, Marcus Chan is a baller. This conversation is a baller conversation. Obviously, I'm biased, uh, but I guess it could be said that when you are a baller, then you are able to engage in baller conversations. And so thank goodness that Marcus was here to, you know, elevate the caliber of convo. Yeah. And you know what, friends? It is also very rare that I get to banter with a human about one of my favorite topics, uh, and that is process. And it's rare that I get to banter with a human about process because most of the, there are some basic principles about process, right? Just as one example, value flows at the pull of the client. And more often than not, the sales processes that we see in most sales floors, they are not designed for the client. Um, and they are, frankly, trying to pull the client through and they're designed for the company, right? To hit a certain number by a certain time. And so when, yeah, anyway, I, I don't engage in those conversations really because without that baseline of the principles, right? It's just, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll venture in. But anyway, but thank goodness, Marcus, Marcus gets it. And he, he gets it. He learned it organically in many ways. And now you're looking at a decade plus uh, of years of iterating on that. But anyway, so we get to talk process and that is amazing. We talk about the differences between activity metrics and conversions, uh, specifically, you know, like having and primarily focusing on, you know, making a hundred dials a day as opposed to um, maybe looking deeper at the conversion rates, right? So what are essentially working more effectively? And again, friends, I'm not taking away from the amount of work that goes into doing this, doing this job, and I'd make no apologies for that. However, I, I prefer conversion metrics. Uh, yeah, for many, many reasons. Also, a rare thing that that it was a delight to banter. We talk about our career trajectories and some of the bigger aha epiphany moments that that we had early on and the building blocks that those epiphanies then then create for us to you know continue to learn and get better and grow we talk about how to bypass gatekeepers we talk about transcending the legal contracting and or redlining death spiral and you know some specific like actions around how to do that we talk about incorporating more psychology into selling. And most importantly, we talk about uh, how to get on more corporate jets, which is something that Marcus knows about. I know absolutely nothing about. However, it is definitely on my bucket list. So anybody that's interested in how to make that happen, this is a dude that, that you know can, can speak from experience. Also, in the spirit of keeping it very, very, very real, 
When I talk about friends, my learning curve, right, with podcasting and how this, this, this podcast is a deep exercise or deep practice exercise for me and how painful it can be to listen to yourself. Um, this would be one of those episodes, and I, I, I think I only apologized to Marcus twice after the fact, and so I, I in full disclosure, have done some heavy editing to, uh, you know, just completely eliminate the, uh, I don't know, some of the douchebaggery tangents and or monopolizing of conversation points, and yeah, just deleted those right away, but anyway, Marcus is a kind, kind soul, and... I mean, obviously the episode still turned out really well, but like, let's be serious. That was something that happened and that I did. And, you know, we, we, you know, learn and improve every single day. And so, yeah, that happened. All right. Housekeeping. Uh, Anyone that has any thoughts, comments, questions about the episode or the conversation, uh, by all means, do phone in the hotline and let us know what you think and or you know where we got it wrong or what we could do better and that number is 646-470-0248 646-470-0248 it's a google voice friends it's just a voicemail just call in and leave a you know a message so nothing too crazy over there also you know like follow share massively appreciated so thank you in advance for anyone that's down to you know do that tell a friend write a review all of it. It's mad, mad, mad helpful. And I thank you. And with that, I'm Amy Rehovchek. This is the Revenue Rural Hotline and enjoy. Oh my gosh, Marcus Chan. Welcome to the Revenue Rural Hotline. Do you have, have you listened to any of the episodes? Do you have any idea what you've gotten yourself involved in? I have not. I like surprises for the most part, but hopefully... This is not rude of my love for surprises, but I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, it's so fun. Okay, so good. That's that's amazing. This is amazing. All right, listeners, this is Marcus and I's first conversation ever. And then adding insult to that, there there was actually a, a calendar event already already scheduled, uh, probably about six months ago at this point, that that was supposed to be our first conversation. And then I, I just like missed it. I was like totally focused and I think, you know, the alerts don't come up. And so, and Marcus was so gracious, but also when I think it was like two days ago when we were getting ready to do this, you made a joke about like, well, maybe if you show up or, and I just, I love busting chops. And so like, I already knew I was like, yes, this is somebody that can take it too. So, you know, good to you. Now it's my turn. Um, Sounds good. Let's bring it. Let's bring it. Awesome. 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 Welcome. Okay. So I already said the show um, the target audience, which is, you know, our people, the theme of the show is conversations about uncomfortable conversations in sales. Beautiful. There are no rules mm-hmm. or the only rule is that there are no rules, um, except for we get real around here. So it's also a judgment-free zone, mistake-friendly zone, tangent-friendly zone. Um, you know, I, I highly doubt this would, you know, count for anything that you would say but if there's anything that you say that like upon closer you know consideration you're like oh shit like let's this is gonna you know no one's gonna want to hire me anymore again which is i highly doubt uh just hit me up afterwards and we can i'll take care of it in post-production sounds good we'll get real okay marcus so i you it's funny i started mark's conversation yesterday when with the word unique in that you know i I've been meticulous, as I alluded to, with these 
decisions around who to bring on the show, especially at the beginning. You know how it goes, how you start, how you finish, critical. Mm -hmm. And he was like, then I look at my calendar of guests that are coming up and I, I'm like thinking about how I feel about each one of the conversations, you know, ahead of time. And so Mark was unique in that, like I, I, I felt a certain way for the first time in preparation for his and, and you two are unique. I mean, I guess we're all special snowflakes, but I will say <laughs> that you're unique in the sense that I, I went fucking deep on your shit and like i got all up in there and i i'm like by you know preparation is relative and so let's be serious like i spend an hour um with with some light linkedin distractions and posting and engagement but <laughs> uh and so here like i'll even share my screen so you can see how far i got into your session here 14 Boom, 47 minutes but i like i took a screenshot i have it up in a bunch of places because it's on my phone it's on my computer but it was i think it was where you had the three oh gosh i don't even remember where it anyway it was the three um here's the solution slide so about 15 mm -hmm. minutes in and yep. i really wanted to post a screenshot of that picture but i was like oh man i can't give out give away a secret sauce like the solution slide. let them watch the killer training <laughs> i know i put the i put the training <laughs> yeah. out there so i held the solution side to myself but i think i downloaded it but i couldn't get it to oh there it is here it is <laughs> boom so, okay. you got it right there yeah here it is Okay, so listeners, I'm looking at the slide on Marcus's, so it'll be in the show notes, as you know. And so they're about 15 minutes in, after, you know, the story, who you are, the context, all the social proof, the framing, the scoping of who this is targeted for and who it's not. So scoping on both sides, which I loved, I mean, spot on. And then the, to see this slide, step one, niche down, step two, craft conversion, conversation, step three, construct a customer-centric sales system. Mm -hmm. Yep. And Mark is actually, just, frankly, I think Kate, Kevin Dorsey does a good job with this mm -hmm. too, but I don't, we don't hear this. I don't mm -hmm. see a lot of this separating activity and like hyper-focusing on conversions, but from the like onboarding and building blocks that lead to 500 or 50,000 to $100,000 increases. Anyway, kudos to you, sir. Now. Thank you. I'm going to open up my notebook, which is pages of topics that we could potentially talk about when it comes we'll to probably rabbit hole. Realistically, it'll probably happen. <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you say? We'll probably rabbit hole down, down one of these topics. You know, it's, sure yeah, will. yeah, yeah. That's how it goes. And it's also why I stopped preparing, but I just, I got so into you. I couldn't even stop myself. Okay. So reps. Oh, bye. Here, here's the flow. Here's how it goes. I'm going to read out my list. I'm going to give you the option of where you'd like to start, including something that's not on the list. Sure. Last 10 minutes, there's, I saved the last 10 minutes for the two questions. One, one's a question, one's a, you know, one piece of advice. Um, okay. So anyway, here's the stuff I wrote down. 57% of reps expect to hit or miss quota, which is interesting because I was for a bunch of reasons, cause it's higher than the one that, uh, Ryan Walsh just came out with, which was 52 and he thinks it's even lower than that. Um, however, I, I, I didn't, I had never seen that number anywhere or anything yeah. like it. so I'm curious where you got this number from. That's why I'm interested mm -hmm. in it. And yeah. I, you know, I love that you're also talking about something so important. Okay. The right refined sales process is the answer. So I've got a green belt in process design and there's, there's not many, many of us floating around in, in, 
go to market spaces. Um, and so I'm, I wrote that down originally with air quotes around the whole thing, but I want to hear what your perception of right mm -hmm. and refined equals, right? Because both of those are relative terms. Mm -hmm. um, 14 years, so B2B sales and then leadership. So I was curious, like what number of years you spent selling versus um, in a leadership position, promoted 10 times in 10 years, like, yeah, although I heard three of those were in the first year, so let's let's be serious about that. Um, leading, it's actually like 12 times, but oh, 10 out of 10 times better. Who's counting? I mean, Who's good counting? marketing, it's, good, it's better marketing 10 out of 10, so it is what it is. It's, it's easier, it sticks, it's a little stickier. It flows better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so leading the final job, leading 100 plus employees, delivering nine digits in net new revenue, which I loved. Although I'm curious, like this, this idea of net new versus retention and upselling came up on Lorena's episode. So I'm curious about, about that. Um, I like talking about wins, uh, but I also know that we learn from our mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have, I have a, a, a bunch of fun wins and I, I have even more fun mistakes, including mm -hmm. if you listen to the extended cut of the outro, I actually admit to everybody that I, I took a belt sander to my foot in high school because I was not satisfied with the level of like softness that was being done with the regular pumice stones. Anyway, so I'm all about mistakes on the show, but anyway, I've never been on a corporate yeah. damn jet. And yeah. so that was pretty damn cool. Like corporate jet, like, can you, can you do a how to on how to get to a point where you're invited on corporate jets? Be really good at your job, crushing every single role, build really good connections up and down the food chain at your company. And if they have a corporate jet, you'll get invited many times. Hmm. Hmm. I know it's crazy. Note to self, do more of whatever Marcus says and do not question his system. That's it. Develop thousands of reps. I love that one because I think my number is kind of close to that, all things considered. And so I really want to talk about what that perspective brings to you um, and, and kind of compare notes. Uh, hello, Chinese communist re-education camp during the Cultural Revolution. Mm -hmm. Uh, oh, happy Immigrants Heritage Month. I forgot to say that's June. Did Thank you? you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it, Lorena, Anya, Domian, right? Um, so we're, we're pro, pro immigrant on this show. Um, your girlfriend's parents not being mm -hmm. a fan, because, or at least judging the profession of choice. True. That one, I think that's worth talking about. Uh, I loved the story about the numbers game put in the work, right? Thousands of, I heard thousands of, so you were testing with different tactics, calls, Hitting the hitting the streets and emails, right? Oh yeah. Oh, I'm I'm a drops person oh, and yeah. like knocking on yeah. doors. I got no problem blowing past that. Do not solicit signs. I oh, just yeah. don't even Back see them. Backdooring everything, smoking <laughs> smoking areas. Oh yeah. It's so no funny. door left unopened. Oh my gosh. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. right there, and it was sat when I went to New York City when I moved in, like there with the security, right with the doors, uh, or with the buildings. You have to show your ID at the base before they let you out, like you have to be in. And so I had to actually learn how to, you know, introduce some new tactics. Cause I could, you could not literally go in these doors without oh, them. Yeah. So, but I feel you hard on knocking on doors, but more importantly, so I love that you tried different things, but it didn't, you didn't close any. And the mm -hmm. advice that you got shockingly. Oh, this is after not being taught anything. <laughs> Correct. Um, was to work harder, right? More mm -hmm. volume, more activity. More calls, more walking, more, walk more doors.
And then I didn't. <laughs> so I, I put in quotes, you didn't feel sleazy doing it. And that was at month two, right? So once you figured yeah. it out. And so I love, I think that's a month two. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I think that's a big part of that. Like, and, and so there's that, I mean, again, that back to the, what is a refined sales process? And then, yeah, I, I mean, I could, I could dissect the effectiveness of your program design, even up until minute 15, I could do this for five hours because it's flawless. Uh, not something you see often. Um, and so, okay. So with that, I'm going to shut the fuck up and or anything that I did not mention, where would you like to begin? Well, there's obviously many, many angles here. I mean, maybe we go into the refined sales process. That could be just a really good way to think about it because this way um, the listener's gonna walk away and be like, you know what? Hmm, I can go, I can walk away from the listen to this, I can go and execute and start really knowing my numbers to start really improving parts of my sales process. That could be a good, good angle too. What do you think? I think that I'm far more interested where you want to start. So the answer is yes. I'm sure. also thinking about what's been covered on the show already so far and where, you know, where the gaps are, Yep. you know, step three. Um, I'm good either way, whatever you want to go. We'll yeah, go. no, I'm thinking about, okay. So let's, why don't we start with just defining some terms? What sure. is a refined sales process to Marcus Chan? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. So this, this is this is how I think about really anything, right? Um, when I think about the sales process, I think about it, it's a lot like cooking food, okay? And let me explain. So let's just say, for example, let's say it's Thanksgiving, okay? Thanksgiving, if you're going to choose a new recipe or meal, a lot of times if you, this is what I've seen happen, right? So for example, I think back to years ago when my sister was dating this guy who's going to make us all amazing Thanksgiving meal. He started cooking in the kitchen like early on, 9 o'clock in the morning. He started cooking a little bit, realized he missed ingredients. Went back to the store, got some ingredients. Came back. Work, continue, waste. Continue, yep, continue to work. Realized later, missed something else. And this happened multiple times. Now, mm -hmm. by the time we ate, 3 or 4 o'clock, by the time we ate, at least it got done, right? <clears throat> it got done. It was still really good. But I look back, I'm like, why did he go back and forth so many times? Like, what if he just had everything dialed to begin with to be as efficient as possible? And that's how I think about a sales process. I believe a lot of times sales professionals, when they are running a sales process, it's everything from the top of the funnel work all the way through to actually closing a negotiation. Oftentimes, there's little small pieces of the puzzle that are not done properly in the front end that lead to more work on the back end. And that's everything from... Uh, the, writing the emails to how you communicate on the phones to how you run the discovery to every single sales call you run, you run. And what ends up happening is you end up going back and forth, right? And it ends up being a, a waste of time. And what happens, of course, like, and I'm not saying like, yes, every call should be a one call. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is if a sales process maybe is taking everyone on average 20 meetings or 10 meetings, how can you cut that in half? How can you make it more efficient? How can you tighten every part of the process? So one really simple example is, <clears throat> let's talk about when contracts get stuck in legal, right? Like maybe you got to that point where you've done a great job, they want to do business with you, now it's stuck in legal. Well, and then this could be, it could be a whole back and forth thing. And at this point, most of the time, the agreement's getting discussed right at the tail end, right? Just finish your thought. I, yeah, okay. But yeah, right. So, but what you if, made my mind explode 
please continue because we're gonna we're gonna go deep on this one legal we don't talk yes this is yes right so but if if you you did a good job in discovery and you know it's part of how they make decisions how they bring on a new vendor and it's Mm -hmm. early on that conversation Mm -hmm. now it's better to start involving legal early on whether you need to get your legal team involved and their legal team or however that needs to be done to start working together before you get to that point and it's not about putting the carpet for the horse it's fully understanding if you had to map it out from a to z what your process looks like for that sales uh, that specific uh, situation can you make sure you have it teed up in the order you want the syntax the order and follow that order to increase your chances of closing but also shorten down your sales cycle so now by the time you get to that point of normally might be another one week two weeks three weeks to negotiate the agreement you are done the front end so now it's really about now it's moving that deal forward that's one simple example right there but but in every part of your sales process, there's always little pieces here and there. Like I see a lot of arbitrary means getting set up for no reason. Like, oh, let's just meet to touch base. Well, what's going to happen in that meeting? What's your desired outcome in that meeting for you and also for them? So when you start thinking this way, it's about, okay, how can I make sure, if you're, if you're playing sports like football, how can I make sure every move I do is moving the ball down the field? How do I make sure I'm always at a program, I'm not stalled? Because when you're stalled, then time gets added to your, your your deal, and that can elongate, and that also decreases your closing ratio as well. So that's what I mean by refined sales process: taking your sales process and refining and making sure every single time you have the ball, you you do the best damn job you can to move the ball down the field in the short, least amount of moves. Hmm. Okay, so listeners, I'm going to play with Marcus here for a second, but I just before I do that. I want to make it explicitly clear that 99.9999999999% of every word that just came out of Marcus's mouth, I like endorse multiplied by 20,000, right? So just, okay, that's it. You ready to have fun, Marcus? I'm ready. Okay. So, oh my gosh. Um, One of the things that you had said or written, I can't even remember where it was. It, oh my God, it was the four, it was the, the law flip on the business of sales. Please. Oh yeah. Marcus Chan reinvents on reinventing the law of sales. Okay. So, (laughs) all right. Um, I like. I came from legal, right? So I was at Thompson Reuters, Westlaw. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so reinvent the law, any law, like you hit on contracting. Like I, um, one of my favorite processes that I tightened up at my last job where I was the head of sales enablement, it was the contracting. And so, and it was, did the same thing. And so you asked about how to do that. I hope we get into this because I, so one of the things, other than the fact that we weren't measuring anything, right? When I, so I, there's a way to extract data from people's brains and you can triangulate. And so I interviewed um, managers from two sides of the team or two different teams with, and then one sales rep on each team, we mapped the process. So when you were talking about defining it, it's like you, you, right. you physically listed out the mistake that most people make is they try to... Um, when they actually sit down with a pen and paper or a whiteboard or whatever mural, right? And if mm-hmm. you need any 
uh, you know, helper pointers with Mural, the coolest whiteboard technology out there. My girl, Mariah Schnell will hook you up. Anyway, people try to write out the perfect process or what it should be. Right. And so then you kind of get lost out in, you know, no man's land. And so, but totally. so fighting and resisting the urge when you actually sit down. So you, the first thing you do is you write out the process steps in the current state, first action verb, whatever. Yep. Then I was able to pull the numbers and the average times that we were taking to do these deals. Now, mind you, Marcus, I was brought in to help transition the team to enterprise selling. So mm -hmm. there, that there was a before and after, you yeah. know, it's to be expected. However, I, you know, I, I wasn't expecting to find that the contracting part of our, our process as a team, right? A company, mm, yeah. six months start to finish. Wow. Six months. So from when you start working that contract, six months to close? Six months. Wow. And so now, yeah. mind you, now what I did, what, yeah. one of the ways Wild. that I don't make friends and companies and don't get invited yeah. on corporate jets is because I'll storyboard yeah. what I find yeah. during You're scared the though. fine <laughs> measure. No, it's funny because the, yeah. the CFO wanted to pull together this, uh, whatever, we were working on something and I was like, dude, by the way, I got all these numbers. I just finished this whole assessment. And I was like, I got all these numbers. Do you want to add this to the agenda? Or do you just want the deck? Like, how can I help? And so he was like, ah, give me and also get your ass in this meeting. And so then I realized I hadn't even shared this with the VP of sales. Mm. And so I couldn't like go into <laughs> that with yeah. a, and so I was afraid I'm literally on the bus into New York that morning, like with that, whatever. Anyway, so six months. I was also, the reason I started this project, and then we are gonna come back here, but the reason I started this project is because I was asked to do a training on contracting. Mm -hmm. And and so I was like, sure, like I'll, but let me, let me just go peek into what's going on over here before we, and now think about the stigmas with sales enablement and like just trying to be a sexy rebrand of just a same old, same old sales trainer. Mm -hmm. Also, there's, Lots of different types of problems, really. And, oh. uh, you know, there's often a misalignment on, you know, coming in with some kind of solution to maybe a particular symptom without addressing the, the root cause. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, but I also in the back of my mind knew that I did need to empower the team with an ability to interact with legal and IT for that matter, right? You can add security mm -hmm. checklists to this same process. Uh, and so, what we were able to do was to pull the start of the contracting process exactly as you described, right? Into discovery or even right. pre like demo, but just way earlier. Totally. Yeah. Way earlier. And mm -hmm. even just like start to gather that information about, okay, what's the process like to mm -hmm. move a contract through on your end? Like what's that, you know, what have you found to work? Where have the hangups been? And so just right. to introduce that into a, like a secondary or a discovery context, totally but anyway, exactly right. One of the tricks that I had picked up, you know, whatever. And I, so I met with our attorney, I met with a bunch of people, but sh I also know after working in legal, how quickly things spiral in red land, redlining land. Oh, yeah. When yeah. you've got two humans that have been trained to spot all risk in a 50,000 mile radius and are also the most <laughs> gifted debaters and arguers on the planet. Right. So the way that you get in front of that spiral is to do a kickoff call with the legal team and you put our attorney with their attorney and then the role of the seller, mind you, who had not been allowed to touch contracting. This was talk about the bottlenecks on that six months. These were the managers that were anyway. So um, I had and taught the team how to do a kickoff call and then instructed everybody that once the call is set up, you may join. But your job at this point is to shut the fuck up and just listen to the attorneys right. banter about redlining. And Marcus, they learned in one month mm. 
about the contracting process just by listening to these calls than I could have taught them in a year. Exactly right. Okay, so now training, check, mm -hmm. process, collapse down by a fuck ton, right? Six mm -hmm. months, it's a, little, it's a little easy to do some damage in that frame. Okay, but that said, when, when I think of sales processes or lead flow processes, and then the principles of process, right? The end root cause problems. One of the problems is that we're just, we're, we're in violation of the, one of the first principle of process, which is also your step three, which is all value flows at the pull of the client. Mm -hmm. And I don't care how great your process is, right? Your sales process is. If you're against the principles of process, like there's no tweaking that is going to solve your problem. That's and right. so, I loved that. And then like, but so back to you and the reinvent law and the, your brilliance, which was mind blowing. What, how did you come to these conclusions mm. as a seller? Right. Cause you know, I, frankly, the, it was the year for me after I stopped carrying a bag, I made a beeline for process improvement. Mm. Um, certification. Now, mind you, I was selling information, so mapping with business decisions, but I had none of the tools, the language to even understand what I was doing. How did you, how the hell did you do that? Yeah, and I think there's a couple of different things that was really, that's been really been key for me, right? Um, and it sounds overly simplistic, and it's, it probably comes to probably I'll say two things. Um, number one, you know, when I when I first started selling, I really struggled. I really did. And it sounds so overly simple, almost stupid, if you will. But in part of my struggle, my journey, I was trying to educate myself from sales books, business books, etc. And I came across a Tony Robbins book called Awaken the Giant Within. Oh, my and God. Did you, what, are you a co walker? I've, I'm not a co walker. Oh, okay. I, I love his books, though. <clears throat> but anyways, so one of the things he mentions, if you don't like the answer, ask a better question. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was, it was almost like that simple brilliance, like, hmm. And when you start thinking this way, you become more solution focused. Okay, that's the first piece. So as I was struggling, like why is this so hard? It's it's it should be shifted to, what can I do about this now? How can I improve this? How can I shorten this down? How can I make this more efficient? How can what can I do on the front end to increase a better result on the back end? Now this also ties into now the second piece I was going to mention is my background before I got into B two B sales was I worked for my parents' restaurant growing up. And because we're a small business, very scrappy, it was all about hyper-efficiency. How can we get the most result in the shortest amount of effort? Also known as, also known as very, right. very, very tight margins. Oh, tight margins, tight margins, like it's everything, right? So how do you like how do you decrease labor costs but still get a really good result? How do you do things faster? If you only have so much time, how can you get done a more efficient way? How can you do it better, faster than everyone else? So some of that operational thinking already was already kind of ingrained just growing up. So once I started going into sales, into sales and start running these obstacles, I'm like, hmm. Or and then and I got hit with different different things. I'm like, wow, this really sucks. This contract piece, I would learn. Hmm. If I realize, hey, you know what? Like, man, like I seem to have a high no show rate. What could I do on the front end to increase my show rate? Hmm. What can I? What questions can I ask to get a better desired result? What can I do as part of how I present to get a better impact with the prospect? 
And you start thinking this way and you, you start having these, these micro epiphanies that would just start to occur. Like, and if you pay close attention, you start realizing pretty quick. So here's a real good example. So I remember um, early on, within the first few months, um, I was literally sitting in the lobby of one of the very few appointments I booked, right? I, was, I wasn't really booking, but very few. I was in the lobby. I was a field mm-hmm. rep. Mm-hmm. And I booked the appointment. And I remember sitting in the lobby, really nervous for my, my, the sales call with the decision maker. And I'm just sitting there listening to the gatekeeper get like you know the reception is getting like you know sales calls coming in and they're she's like she's like shutting them down right shutting them down and i remember hearing one it, it was she's a little bit older so i can i can hear they were saying the Wait, phones were, what type of what was your business like what what type of time, office it was it was uh it was an industrial business they i can't remember what they moved they, they what sold they something they had, yeah what yeah i was selling rental trucks box trucks lease trucks uh basically fleet leases okay so basically, okay. like if they had a product to move, I would lease them a fleet of vehicles, box okay. trucks, cargo vans like, to move their products. Were you right? displacing like annual relationships or annual contracts, or is this like a one-off uh, service where somebody has a need and then they'll go to somebody? We would do both. So okay. we would do uh, we do contracts like you know year-long, two-year, three-year contracts, yeah, and yeah. we do short-term rentals yeah. for maybe like project-based stuff. Gotcha. So them, I knew they'd be a pretty good-sized prospect, and I yeah. remember just sitting in. I, I didn't get this deal, by the way, but. It's a good learning lesson regardless. Yeah, so, we learn from our mistakes, friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was sitting there, and I could hear on the headset of this of this uh, the receptionist uh, the, what the salespeople were saying when they would call. And they, she probably got at least three or four calls while I was sitting there. And then I remember one of the calls, um, because of how I, – I, I, I listened very carefully. They were able to basically uh, – the, the gatekeeper answered, and the gatekeeper immediately sent them over to the decision maker I, was, I wanted to talk to. And I'm like, huh. And I started thinking myself, I'm like, how did that happen? I'm like, and I started really thinking really carefully. I'm like, what did that person say? And I realized, I started really thinking, I'm like, that person didn't even introduce himself, first off. They asked directly for that person. They also didn't sound like a salesperson. Like, they're a little like, can I talk to Amy, thanks. It was just, she had her headset on, but it's she, I think she was you could hard of hearing. Oh, so I can oh, hear it. I can hear it. Like, I can hear it. Like, it's pretty loud. Got it. And I'm like, and they, they, were, they said something like, can I talk to Amy? Thanks. Very firm, very like nonchalant, almost like almost like a jerk a little bit. And that person's like, I remember, I think they had asked, like, who, who is it? They're like, it's John, whatever the name was. I'm like, oh my God, I've done all these things. And I started <laughs> I'm like, there is a difference there because... Number one, they didn't introduce themselves. Number two, they didn't say my name is so-and-so. Because if you know someone, you don't say my name is this. You call your friend. Who is this? It's a- you know, it's Amy. Okay, hey, what's up, Amy? Like, you expect them to know who you are. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, huh. So I started observing the attitude. So I started having these, these – this is like a micro epiphany. I'm like, wow. I'm like, they bypass them pretty quick. I wonder if it will work for me, <laughs> right? Started doing it. And I started bypassing gatekeepers, like way easier. I'm like, huh? I'm like, I give very little information. Ask directly for that person. If I did my research, I did my homework. At the time, we didn't have all these these all these amazing. We didn't have Zoom. Oh, Zoom wasn't very good back then. We didn't have all these amazing softwares and tools and lead lists you can acquire today. Back then, you just Googled it and you did your best to get the information, right? So I'm like, huh? But even the win and the aha moments that yeah. you have are describing and i'm going to add to them what i hear too none of it has anything to do with technology friends technology does not fix a human problem or a process problem humans fix human problems and process problems please continue 
That's exactly right. So I started thinking to myself, I'm like, man, okay, I can incorporate some of these base, basically basic psychological principles. Like that person sounded like an expert in authority on the phone. They didn't waver. They didn't sound, hey, it's uh, Marcus, or my name is Marcus with so-and-so. Is it possible to speak to Amy there? No, they were simple. They were direct. I'm like, hmm. So these type of micro epiphanies I started having across the board like, for just different parts of the process, right? Some I observed from other people. Some I just started asking myself, started testing different things. And I started realizing like, wow, this is how you can actually start improving parts of your process. So I wasn't thinking, how can I improve everything? It was like, it was like these micro events that would blocks, happen. Building blocks, yeah. Building blocks. Then I'm like, right. okay. And then over time, I started compounding and got better and better and better. And when you start thinking of it this way, you think of a sales process, again, it's not about one call closing whatever it's like hey if i know it takes 19 touches to get to a prospect to close can i make it 17 can i make it 16 can i make it 15 how can i continue to refine without losing you know the impact and that's what would happen over time and of course obviously the more you do things the more you start realizing and when you start looking for these type of things you start finding ways to improve it and i find most people don't think that way right most people are like well it just it is what it is it just it's, that's just what happens. You're supposed to make a hundred calls and book one appointment. Why? Who's most people in this analogy? So it, it's it's what maybe it's their bosses are telling them that. Maybe it's leadership is telling them that. Maybe it's just what they've heard. Early on, it was not just my bosses that said like similar things like you know smile and dial. The more hands you shake, the more money you make. It was also one of the early on books I read. So some of these early on sales books I'm reading would reinforce some of these same ideas. Now, it's not to say you can't learn from some of these old books because there's good core principles, yeah. but it, it basically would train people to say, you know what, it's a numbers game. I can't tell you how many times it hurts a numbers game over the last, you know, almost two decades of being in B2B sales. And it's one thing to say it's a numbers game in terms of how can I improve my numbers <laughs> versus saying, hey, you just need to increase your volume and you get to your goal. Sometimes that's the case. Most of the time it's not. Most of the time we have issues in parts of our process and we're basically repeating the same issues. It's kind of like if you are struggling to maybe meet that special someone and maybe you personally have some things you got to work on, but if you just play the numbers game and just go on random dates, that doesn't change some of the stuff that you're not happy with about yourself that's coming out in your relationship, <laughs> okay? So it's improving those parts of the things that can really help you improve your overall sales process that has a better longevity, but also you just feel better as well. You feel better doing what you're supposed to do. Okay, I would I would add a slight caveat to that. You feel better when you're making incremental progress against yesterday's True. version of yourself. And the way that you do that is to, well, I mean, oh my gosh. Well, I want to come back to the observation skills that you picked up because I remember being with Henry Niemczyk, ADP, and and even before this, like I I was, I was raised by a salesperson, uh, turned broker. Right. And so I've been around the empowerment of sellers my entire life and observation skills. Uh, I, I mean, Marcus, like I used to walk into be people's office and be able to like or homes and be able to Myers Briggs them like that. There are things that I wish that I could unfucking learn um, ah. with the observation yeah. skills. Yeah. And but that said, when I think about how to teach people how to practically apply, like what to, so everything that you said, oh my gosh, that sounds fabulous. But like, what can I physically do tomorrow? So start with the observation skills, let sure. go of 
the rightness or is, and I'm not even talking to you seller friends. I'm more talking about sales bosses, right? So I distinguish between sales bosses and sales leaders, but anyway, so I love the observation skills. Um, what you were talking about a testing and experimenting, I'm kind of chuckling a little bit because we're non-tech humans, right? Because we're not a product or engineer. We're, it's so fun to be referred to um, by uh, a category of what you are not. So it's same thing in legal, right? Non-lawyers. But anyway, so I, I just, however, I just heard someone that's very, very, very skilled around experimentation yeah. um, and iterate, iteration yes. and innovation. They all sound very techy to me. But anyway, so... I'm going to take it even a step simpler, friend, not to be confused. Do you know how to allow simplicity to be confused with what was the word? How did you phrase it? Um, effectiveness. That was a good slide. Yeah. The morning slide. Oh, um, yeah. it, so Pareto's principle, AB 20 yes. rule. Yes. It, it, I was, I did a, a five on Friday episode a couple months yeah. back, like a while ago. And I, I, this is something that I mentioned on there, so I'm not going to go too deep into it, but I, during my working with thousands of reps too, I found how important it is to teach these con this particular concept that you are going to get. Well, one, there is such a thing as the A to 20 rule. Here's what it is. The formal name is the Pareto's principle, but right. you're going to get 80% of your results from 20% of your activities. This is a universal principle. It will break your right. mind when you actually get into it and how universally it's applied. It's so damn true. And so when you're going through the learning period and understanding about all the fun and varied ways there are to prospect, mm -hmm. cold calling, warm calling, hot calling, drops, knocking on doors, right. e you know, like there's millions. I, I submitted a FOIA request for public records for all the companies in my territory that got hit with time and labor violations mm -hmm. the year prior and then created a marketing campaign around it, which did not disclose that I knew that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, 80% of that list converted tons of ways to open up opportunities. Friends speaking circuit was for me too. Um, but anyway, so that said 80, 20 rule. And what was interesting to me about the episode on five on Friday is that the number of people that reached out after the fact, right? So the, the subject was tips for an SDR, just getting started in the profession. And part of me was really pleased and honored to be able to bring that value back. But the other part of me is like, what the fuck are we teaching new people? Like if this is so, it's such a crucial concept to understanding how to approach the job. And it's so simple, like send a link to a damn website, like, but you're right. The filter bubble and the echo chamber is so fierce and the, machismo at the leadership level yeah. or the boss level is so fucking fierce yeah. that it's it's like we're we're all the people that had been molested as children are now you know they're they're playing it back and this is something that mark said i added the color with the 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 um pedophile analogy next to it but it's <laughs> <laughs> but right. this idea of our current state of of that that manager and boss level like it they're being perpetuated back to humans yes. and then we look at our experiences with our our future wives parents and we wonder why this rep this profession has such a bad reputation could it be the humans that we burn through uh, top performers and underperformers alike could it be the ripple effects because we do not allow mental health into the conversation with spouses and children generationally. Could it be the 
bro culture and the coffee is for closers that just treats others like numbers mm-hmm. and and is you know we also treat our own damn teams like cogs mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know why is step three right have a customer centric you know process like why does that like again principle number one so treating the customers as though their voice has value and we're going to go ask them and not assume and, and like and so anyway Thank you for being a part of the solution. And thank you for doing a far better job um, socializing the solution. Okay, cough, Forbes, business council, like that. Mm -hmm. Personally, how did you do that? Really easy. So all I had to do was excel for 14 plus years in corporate America (laughs) and then take all that knowledge, (laughs) compound it into a business, and then execute every single day that's it that's all i had to do <clears throat> it was that easy oh it was literally God, so that funny. easy you right? know it's I, yeah i i gotta stick i'm so i'm a little biased around the consulting especially with sales training because i think of all the yeah. so i sold information i uh and it's very it was a recent thing this year like i really got into i understood finally for the first time how deep and fierce my value judgments are about information. So having withholding information, um, which is something that happens to women and minorities, right? As a, even feedback, right? So inside corporations, it's weaponized against mm-hmm. everyone else. Um, and then when I think about the misinformation spewed with a microphone, mm-hmm. I, uh, I see red, right? And so anyway, so I've had to temper that a little bit, but I don't need, I, we were talking about Forbes and how you made it easy, but, um, oh, it's hard to get to, I guess, the right answer because of misinformation. I don't know, but I, I lost the the connection there, which is my, that's my bad. I'm sorry about that. Okay, so, but in serious, like in all seriousness, like, oh, I remember what I was going to say. Misinformation, mm-hmm. gurus, mm-hmm. nonsense. Yes. yes. And then I think about all the humans that are trying. Yeah. And they're going to take this nonsense and run mm-hmm. with it. Drives me crazy. Ab- absolutely crazy. But anyway, so I'm thanking you for doing that to kind of combat this and being that voice out there. And you, you jest about it. But most of the people that have training businesses, mm-hmm. sales training businesses, wrote sales training books, uh, they, they fall into the Amy C's red category. Um, and so, and also they're not making that much fucking money anyway. And so, mm-hmm. Like, I know you're joking, but you did a lot of things differently. I know I'm looking at your outputs and also like, but seriously, like, how did you get on the fucking business council of Forbes? So I think what's important to understand is, um, because first of all, I a hundred percent agree with you, right? Because first off, a lot of people in the sales training, the sales consulting, sales coaching space, most of them never truly carried the bag, never actually done the job, never really made a phone call, never made a cold call, never sent a cold email, never got Same. rejected, never did the job. Right? I wish, it's, 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 I wish do you have any wild, eggs? Right? Do you still toilet paper houses? Because like, I'll find out where they live. And then if you want to yeah, come with me, so, I'll go. Like, uh, did... I just, I, I, I don't, I'm not, just not kidding, I'm kidding. My wife doesn't let me do it anymore. But, but anyway, so, but you can tell pretty quickly based off yeah. the content they put out there. Very quickly. Like, you and I can, but not, yeah, not the I, new I, this, people. This, this is why I feel, I feel terrible because like I'll, I'll, I'll see some stuff I'm, I'm like I did try what they're saying 15 years ago it doesn't work I highly doubt what they're saying right now still works okay like like I'm like it's the stuff I see is it doesn't make any sense so 
And this all ties together because um, I knew once I entered the space, a huge opportunity. There was these gurus and influencers up there who were basically just posting a bunch of baloney, not being able to do real results, right? And I knew if I was to uncover their business, if they were successful, it's only because they were able to sell uh, probably unethically to get their program sold, uh, or most of them were going to be struggling. I knew, I knew that. I'm like, <clears throat> and most of them friends business. are struggling. Most oh, of them yeah, are 100%. struggling. They're not making any money. It's all fucking fluff and looks good and pretty pictures. Correct. It's nonsense. Please continue. Correct. Exactly. So by knowing that, I'm like, this is quite simple. I'm literally going to apply everything I know about building sales teams, running sales orgs, and outbound, and basically building new business into my own business. Okay? But on top of that, I'm going to market the shit out of it. So that was very intentional. So as I started building the business, I'm like, okay, easy. For example, on LinkedIn, I'm just gonna post real stuff. Do this. <laughs> this actually works. Post real, like no fluff. Like just, this is exactly how it's done. And as I'm doing that all throughout, I'll actually, it's, it's hilarious. People always people laugh. Some people get sick of it. But I I share so much social proof. You just saw one of my my trainings. I I don't know how many you've already how many uh, screenshots you've seen so far, but probably a few. But I share so much intentionally to cut through the, the BS, the noise, so people actually know, all right? So what I've done is, I've done all this, on top of that, I've also learned internet marketing, how to spread my brand everywhere, which means more eyeballs, more attention, more everything. So I've combined the best of the B2C internet marketing world to B2B, what I know, that's where I came from, together to get my name out there. As a result, it is, it's allowed me to spread my influence and get, get attention, attention from Yahoo Finance, from Forbes, from Salesforce, they get, like LinkedIn. They're like, they get, they get, did Forbes attention. contact you or did you contact them? So when they first reached out to me, they and then I thought, I, was, I thought, reached out to you. Yeah, I, I thought it was, was one of those like, in mails, those kind of scam ones. I actually they, ignored it. Did I'm you? I'm like, okay, whatever. I did. I and then I looked it. into it. I'm like, okay, this is actually legit. <laughs> Can you see what that says? This is yeah. not the cover Don't on my phone. Don't chase a tract, right. Don't yeah, yeah, chase exactly. a tract. I thought I thought was, you know you get those like, spammer ones that you yeah, on, yeah, like yeah. LinkedIn. I know exactly I'm like, oh, what you're this, talking is, about. This, is, this is like made up, like whatever. Looked into, I'm like, oh, okay, well, this is this is actually a pretty good opportunity. <laughs> like, so you have to, then then you have to apply. Then you, when you apply, they interview you, and then, and then they bring you in. They make sure you're like, oh, legit. You apply. Real deal. Oh, they do yeah. make sure you're legit. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, they don't just hey invite you. They you have to apply. They interview you. They make sure you're legit. Um, but it's it's pretty cool though. I mean, for sure. I mean, it's, in, in the world I'm in, it's like it's nice to have. Um, I'll tell you right now, like having <clears throat> recognition from like a Salesforce is more impactful for the sales world because people, it's more of a comfort. Like people know Salesforce. People know Forbes for a certain extent, but Salesforce is, is just different, right? It's like it's in the world specifically for sales. But um, regardless, I, I feel very honored to be recognized by it, right? But how many, so I want to talk shop about the business. So, how yeah. many clients, um, like, so I think of the idea of selling or promoting selling and then doing the services, right? So there's work a lot. That's, that's oh, yeah. a lot. Is it just you? And then how many, um, I, so what percentage of last year's revenue rolling 12 came from the B2C, right? Straight from consumers versus the businesses and then average deal size. Yeah. And then how many deals in the pipeline right now what's your conversion rate and where are you mm -hmm. taking the business yeah great question so um so my business is a little bit different so actually i don't target businesses 
So most people in the space are targeting businesses to do trainings, etc. That's not what I target. So I actually specifically target the seller. And the reasons because of this is because um, when I built those business out, I knew because I've seen those like the trainers come in, they train, everyone's like, whatever, the trainer guy, whatever. Okay. And they leave and you don't really know what happens when you train the direct salesperson, you see tangible results. You see what they end up getting because they actually execute when you work with them. Right. So it's a little bit different. So most trainers just so you understand that. So uh, in terms of movement. Yeah. And I also know that it's sometimes when you're selling new ideas to sales bosses. Right. (laughs) This is why I like the daily challenges, because it Mm -hmm. doesn't mess with their precious selling time. Man, because learning that that can't possibly be a part of the fucking workday. Please continue. Yeah, 100 percent. So let's take a look. So uh, we did. So right now we've been for over two and a half years because it was it started as a hustle, side hustle to right. full time. We've right. gotten over 300 Smart. plus clients already, right? 300, um, okay. Yeah. Uh, average deal size between, <clears throat> depending on when they go in the program, between 5K to 10K. Okay. Wow. Per person. Program. Wow. Okay. Right. What's the l- yeah. length of time the, that they spend with you generally? So, so they get a couple different things. So they get, um, uh, they get group coaching for the life of the program. Excellent. And they also get a course that's step by step, literally my brain digitized into a process that they can follow and execute. So that's provide scalability. So the two final questions, um, what is the hardest conversation that you've ever had to have most uncomfortable conversation? that you've ever had to have in a revenue context? Go. Mm. Well, um, in terms of a revenue context, like you mean with a prospect, right? A prospect, mm-hmm. buyer, client, yeah. peer, yeah. boss, hiring manager, spouse. Oh man, I, I mean, I, I've had all types. I'll, I'll say- Which one kept you up at night the most, Marcus? Uh, I'll say probably, um, well, it's probably that. So I had a situation where a rep got sexually harassed internally. Mm. Yeah. By yeah. someone in, in the company. Wait, she didn't tell me. Har- sexually harassed, did you say? Is that what it was? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they were making comments about, about her body to her face. I mean, jokes. Very inappropriate. I'm like, <clears throat> okay. I'm like, okay. But I didn't hear from, from her. I heard from somebody else who pulled me aside. I said, hey, listen, uh, you know, this, this, you know, this, this partner's employee, like, she just told us this happened. I've been thinking about this for a couple of days now. I wasn't going to say anything, and she doesn't want me, me to tell you, but I have to tell you because this the guy who did it to her works in our same building, and he keeps doing it. So the first conversation was basically reaching out to her. That was hard to basically say, hey, listen, like, is this true? Did this really happen? Why was that hard? Well, it's just it's one of those things where she didn't bring it up, right? And I think it's just, for me, it was like, I was like, I don't want to cast stones and make someone feel uncomfortable, especially someone like that where it's like, I wasn't sure how she'd react to it, but I knew it was the right thing, the best thing to do. That was the first thing. Then the next thing was going into, of course, HR and having those conversations and make sure we handle accordingly and having this conversation with this completely different uh, other uh, other employee who didn't work for me. And then on top of that, um, you know, So I'm curious, and when you went to HR, what person, first of all, for listeners, the yeah. reason why women do not want to go to their boss is because we are so conditioned yeah. to be not believed, yeah. to have it not, no action be taken, Correct. to have it be downplayed, that it's actually worse 
it, it, it like exponentially increased. And so, yeah, okay. But that's the reason, yeah. right? And these are, we're so used to that happening yes. that this is why we don't. Okay, so it, we could we could be less afraid of that, male friends um, mm -hmm. that are in positions to do so. Marcus, when you went to HR, what do, like were they interested at all in protecting or helping this woman versus the company? They they were. I mean, they did a really good job. So that was really good. Um, but part of the investigation, and this is what this is what like. Because she, she was like, "Hey, I don't want this person to know it was me." Uh, so it was, it was, it was this whole thing. Cause she didn't want retaliation as a result. There was, there was a fear of retaliation from the other person, and the other was, person's friends, right? Which is also correct, a correct, fucking norm. Hundred percent. It's just the, the complexity of the, of the situation. And that person had been coming for like twenty years. People knew them. They had a good reputation. It was this whole thing, right? I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'm like, but I told her it was tough. I, I was pretty straight with her. I'm like, we have to do something about this because she was, she didn't want me to go to HR. I'm like, I'm like, we have to. Because I need to protect you, but also everybody else. Who else has this already happened to? And I was not willing to compromise that, right? So went to HR. They were very supportive. They kept her name out of it during the whole investigation, right? Um, but th then it got to the point where um, we wanted we, – we, because the company is really conservative, they wanted her to basically uh, sign something saying, yes, this is exactly what happened, to be able to commit to it. So that way they can take proper action towards this person. Um, she ended up declining that. She retracted her complaint, retracted all that, and nothing happened to that guy. And that was really frustrating for me. And and then the second part of the complexity of the situation, I went to where I said, "Hey, listen, you know, hey, so and so, like, listen, how, how many times what's on what's on your mind?" She just didn't want to push it forward. She's like, going to go under the rug. And um, you know, I I, I was trying to encourage her to be as comfortable as possible to bring it forward because a person like that, a predator, does not belong in the company. He needs to be getting, get, we need to get rid of him as, as fast as possible. Um, and I needed her help, but uh, at the end, she didn't end up going for it. She just, it, went, it basically got swept under the rug as a result, right? But at least she knew that I did my best to try to bring it forth. Yeah. Marcus, yeah. we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to invite you back on the show to do okay. a full conversation about this, if you don't mind. All right, last yeah. one, final yeah. piece. Like, like, I'm sending you the link as soon as we get off the call. What is the uh, one piece of advice that you would give? to the experienced tech seller about uncomfortable conversations? Mm. Uh, focus on your own self-awareness. Be fully aware of how you are coming across in that conversation, your tone, your tonality, um, your tact to the timing. When you can truly understand yourself a lot more, it's, it's easier to have those conversations. Wow, okay. It's also far easier to blame other people and or make assumptions about their intent, whereas yeah. we're not willing to look at our own intent and how we want others to perceive the best possible intent all the time, yeah. but we're not willing to extend that back. Well said, sir. Look for that invite like immediately because this is a massively important conversation yeah. right now about this, what happened, right? Are you down for that? I'm totally down. All right, cool. Marcus, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much. See ya. To our listeners, truth, love, and joy, friends, and happy selling. Ooh, man, that was heavy, but necessary, you know, important, important stuff being thrown around. Virtues that we as humans can build a sturdy foundation on. I heard words like trust i heard words like action i heard words like consistency and uh 
I think this is important. But I, I also live in the real world, right? Where I trust that the action Amy didn't take was to consistently feed the dog or file her legal disclaimer paperwork from all the unnecessary risks she takes on a weekly basis. Karen is going to be pissed. Karen! All right, friends. The only way this works as a hotline is if we find some people to come play. Anybody who's interested or brave enough or desperate enough, because let's be serious, that's where it's at. Everything you need to know is in the show notes. Yeah, call, absolutely. Call in. Don't have enough to do? You want a couple of books to read? Maybe we can boss you around for a couple hours? Yeah, please, by all means, call. If you like what you're hearing or are excited for this shit show and where it's going to go, definitely follow us on whatever podcast device is your preference, even though I, I seriously have a hard time identifying with anything non-Spotify, but you know, I guess I'll come to terms with that. If you find any value in things that we're talking about, do tell a friend. I consider that the highest honor. Of course, there's always the public review of any kind, although part of me thinks that I should not ask that until we're out of beta. Just a note for sponsors from Karen and Pete down in Legal, we are anxious to receive your call. And if you are looking to help or join the cause or create change in a positive way, Please reach out to anyone but me because I have enough to do. And Amy will definitely be interested in taking your money to help more people, which is what we do here. You know, stuff. Legal stuff. You know, it's pretty crazy. I still can't believe people listen to shit I say. Yeah, like there, there's certainly a kernel of truth somewhere in there, but you know, it's, it's just, it's wrapped up in a story. Order the dog food, Amy. Order it. Chewy.com. Possible sponsor. Lola, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, baby. I love you. Here, take some pets. Come come sit up on my lap. I don't know about you listeners, but I enjoy my podcast on Stitcher. I mean, I don't have a premium account because I'm holding out for sponsorship. Hey, Stitcher, looking at you. Also, I believe we mentioned Chewy, so there will be a link to the, them in the show notes, even though we are not sponsored by them, and I bought my dog food at Target this week because it was on sale and I saved on shipping. All right, friends. Thank you for listening to the conversation. For more ridiculousness, check out the extended cut of the outro, and that's a wrap. I can't. I can't. I can't. So... This is Pete, your disclaimer specialist, coming to you at the super secret disclaimer portion of the show because this is a pod about transparency and difficult conversations. And with everyone being so open and honest, um, I must be. So here goes. Um, as the outroer to the outroe, I'm sorry. I apologize. You know, I, I misled you intentionally. As your attorney, I must confess that I am not a fucking attorney. Um, I have not passed the bar exam in the state in which I live. I uh, have never represented anyone well in anything, let alone in a court of law. Um, but again, these are difficult conversations that we're, Amy's having with, with her guests, and, and I lied. And I should tell you that. I should be open and honest because, you know, we have been. 
So we can all be better. We can all do better together. And no, I'm just rambling at this point. It's just, who cares? It's an outro, right? Like this is just going to fade into blackness. Like the Mars Rover, maybe a little bit less sad. That was fucking sad. Oh, let's not be that sad. Come on, guys. We can do better.